We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com and newly promoted vice president of the Football Writers Association of America. Uh, you can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Trochi. Keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. Uh, Bill, first of all, congratulations, Mr. Vice President. Do I have to refer to you as that in all of our meetings now moving forward? No, I, no. And you know what? For all the writers out there and aspiring writers, the FWA is super important. Um, has a lot, not just great stories, but great people. Steve Richardson does a great job of holding that together. You know, there's been past presidents like ranging from Ivan Maisel to Dennis Dodd to Heather Dinich. They're all, you know, really awesome pillars of the college football world. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, I, I, I can't even, it's not like an honor or privilege. I can't even describe what it is. It's just really cool to be able to be a part of that. And, uh, they, like I said, they have good people. They try to protect us writers and, um, your president looking, is Andrea Adelson from ESPN. Yeah, that, that's, that's not a bad one either. She, she's <laughs> does an amazing job. We've sat next to each other in the press boxes before and, uh, Sheehan and with CBS Sports also in I don't want to butch his last name. He knows that. But uh, so uh, he does a fantastic job, too. And um, yeah, it's just a nice group to, to be around and good people. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to do good work for the FWA. Yeah, I'm excited for you. So congratulations there. So you spent yesterday in uh, Columbus with the Ohio State Buckeye Mini Media Day. Uh, we'll talk about that. We want to talk about some uh, coaching evaluations from the, the class of 2021 uh, carousel uh, and get your thoughts on that. Before we do, I want to do a little trochi trivia. It's a question I've been hanging on to for a little bit. Um, I was uh, texting with my brother. I, I came up with, we're going to have Brian Driscoll on hopefully soon from Irish Breakdown. I had a Notre Dame themed trivia question that I ran by my brother, big Notre Dame grad, alum, fan. And uh, I texted him and he said, I bet Bender gets that one. 
So oh, there we go. <laughs> but anyway, this is a different one. Uh, so, but you're getting a reputation out there for nailing all these trivia questions. Trochi trivia for today. Can you name the only team from the 2023 season who was ranked in the preseason top 25 to have a losing record? Preseason top 25 to a losing record. Uh, we'll revisit that at the end of the year, uh, end of the show, not the end of the year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's get into your day yesterday. You went over to Ohio State. Uh, Kind of an unusual deal. I don't think they usually have this type of thing, but they had three of their uh, shiny new toys. There are three big transfers. Quarterback Will Howard, uh, who transferred over from Kansas State. They had running back uh, uh, Quinchon Judkins, who transferred from Ole Miss. And they had uh, Caleb Downs, the safety from Alabama. Brought them out for a little a little uh, meet and greet with the media. Uh, and uh, three of the prizes, really, nationally, of the transfer portal all ended up at Ohio State. Uh, what did they have to say? What was your kind of impressions of the day yesterday? Yeah, it, it felt I, I referenced Empire Strikes Back with that scene, and and maybe that's a dated reference, but I don't think it is. Uh, you know, when Darth Vader pulls out all those bounty hunters, and he has Bosk and Dengar and Boba Fett. Yes, I know all their names, by the way. Um, and he says, you know, go find Luke Skywalker. No incinerations, and that's kind of what it felt like because you're looking at. Okay, Caleb Downs comes out. He's the best defensive player in the country. He's unbelievably polished. And he came by – so everybody assumes that this is all NIL and they just got these massive deals. And I think on some level, while these three players denied that, um, some level it's true. But, I mean, in Caleb Downs' case, it's a mix because he would still be at Alabama if Nick Saban was there. I think that he talked a lot about Nick Saban and how he felt – and when Nick Saban retired and then com- they were, you know, reporters, you're going to be constantly asked to compare Ohio State and Alabama and the cultures. And it's very similar. Will Howard was very polished. And you could tell, you know, quarterbacks always are um, excited. It, the curious part there was he said it was between the senior bowl, which is going on this week and the NFL draft versus Ohio State. And Logic being there, he would have been a third to sixth round pick in this draft, which is about right. And maybe he could be a first or second round pick if he has a huge year at Ohio State. Stranger things have happened. Quinshawn has never been to Ohio. 
And I always love that one when they come up here and, and uh, you've never been to Ohio. You, you do know there's snow on the ground, right? Like, that, one, that one may have a little to do with NIL. I don't know. Maybe a little, but he also um, seemed willing to do a timeshare with Travion Henderson. Very, you know, just seemed very grounded. So maybe it's just the better opportunity. And he could come out and say, yeah, I got a bunch of NIL money and I want to win. A but all three of them want to win a national championship. And that's what it comes down to. That with that talent on top of what Ohio State already has, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. I'm trying to remember where I read it. I think it was yesterday that had Notre Dame pursued Will Howard, there's a chance he would have gone there. Uh, but they preferred Riley Leonard. And then Howard kind of waited or bided his time waiting for the Cotton Bowl to conclude uh, before Ohio State was going to make any sort of a move or whatever. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I believe him. Uh, that sounds about right to me, a third to sixth. Uh, round pick this year, and we've seen guys from there succeed in the NFL, Mr. Brock Purdy. So, um, but I think it's going to benefit him. They're like you said, they're going to have a strong running game. They got tons of skill. He could put up some super numbers uh, and boost his draft stock this year. Yeah, I mean, and that's really it. Uh, their offense is going to be different with Bill O'Brien. He talked about Bill O'Brien and that was a bonus for Will Howard. He said, you know, he did it admit, not admit. He just said Miami and USC were in the conversation and he was told that Ohio state was going to wait until after the cotton bowl. And anybody who watched the cotton bowl knows that was a disaster at the quarterback position for Ohio state. And, you know, he still has to compete though. I mean, Devin Brown's going to be there. Lincoln Keenholz is going to be there. Aaron Nolan didn't, Julie, I mean, you know how it is, Bill, in this business. When Julian saying shows up on campus, the fascination factor with him is going to be at, at an all-time high like it was with Quinn Ewers. So fans love nothing more than a five-star quarterback. But Will Howard has the experience. I think with that, uh, he'll do well. And he I, – I remind people all the time, and I think I told put it in the article yesterday. So Ohio State's had some first-round quarterbacks, and it's been awesome to see – their last three national title quarterbacks were Rex Kern, Craig Krenzel, and then the combination of JT Barrett and Cardale Jones. None of those guys went on to unbelievable NFL careers, but I can tell you from living around here, everybody knows who they are around here. You know, they're still celebrities around here. I believe Craig and uh, Cardale still live in the area. Eventually, though, when you get those first-round quarterbacks, we'll start winning national championships. As Alabama had a bunch of kind of non-NFL quarterbacks win titles. And then they took the first round route uh, with Mac Jones, uh, Tua. So, um, yeah, if you keep getting first round quarterbacks, I like your chances there. Quote of the day came from Caleb Downs, right? Who, uh, yeah. Brother of Josh Downs, rookie for the Colts. Great rookie season. Flirted with some Marvin Harrison type numbers, rookie numbers at uh, with the Colts this year. Didn't quite measure up, but uh, had an outstanding career at North Carolina. So he's got all kinds of uh, – football blood in him and uh he gave you a good quote yeah he said uh recruiting on steroids is what the portal was like yeah 102 calls in one day and he <laughs> said he returned 80 of them which is incredible that is incredible um football family guy dad played at nc state uncles dre Bly, uh josh downs had a great year with the colts like you said he said i've been training for this since i was five and he said i you know i i think the phrase was i don't i don't want to say i've built for this, but I've been doing it since I was a kid. And that may seem a little cocky to some people. I, I didn't take it that way, though. It was just this kid is 
really good football player. And I did like when he said, you know, they were at, everybody always does. Who's your favorite player? Who'd you model your game after? Well, you know, he said, yeah, I watched Buda Baker and, and Minka, but you know, I like Ronnie Lott and Ed Reed and, and those guys. And he even, he even pulled out Charles Woodson in Columbus. Somebody's going to have to tell me, tell you that's a little bit risky, <laughs> um, but he's right. I mean, that all around skill set is unbelievable, you know, and those are, actually the the names that he listed it was like yeah those are my favorite safeties too so uh it, it's going to be really interesting to see how he thrives in columbus especially next to sunny styles i think they're gonna have something special there speaking quickly of charles woodson's alma mater michigan hired sharon moore of course friday they made it official friday night we got ahead your story up on the site about challenges for sharon moore uh in year one and then uh, we released uh part two of our of our hire uh, grade uh, report card for the new hires uh, with uh, the four January hires in there and uh, just some uh, round two of the coaching carousel, basically. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Sharon. Number one, just filling out his staff. Uh, where do you see there? Uh, possibly offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And I think I saw Michigan's strength and conditioning coach is also going with Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers or is planning to. Uh, we all know how important strength and conditioning coaches are. I don't know who he's going to name necessarily, but that's, you know, another challenge for a guy who's 37 uh, and has only been in the Power Five since 2018. Right. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about his staff? And then, what's your uh, what's your overall grade of the hire? If I had to put you on the spot and uh, give Sharon and Michigan a grade right off the bat? No, I, I think you know. A minus B. I, I mean, they weren't going to hire who else they could have made calls, I suppose, and made some bold move, but you're going to blow. It's just a different world now. Like I don't, I think Sharon it's, it's very, it's similar and different to when Ohio state went from urban Meyer to Ryan day, because it just, from that standpoint, yeah, Ohio state had continuity, Ryan. I think the key here is not so much the hire itself, which made sense. You keep your roster intact. You keep, your program culture intact. Again, you know, I hate that whole idea because everybody thinks their culture is the best. And, you know, but in this case, Michigan's able to keep, I don't think they're going to lose too many guys to the portal. They're obviously mentor and the strength coach Herbert. Those are big losses, but I think the key for Sharon more now and, and similar to what Ryan day did after urban Meyer is now you got to put your own identity on the program. It's not just Jim Harbaugh's program run by Sharon Moore. This is Sharon Moore's program now. And what does that mean? Maybe they recruit a little more aggressively. That was always the knock on Harbaugh, that the development was awesome, but he wasn't bringing in enough five-star guys. I think Sharon Moore may bring in a couple more, you know, higher talented guys from high school, and then we'll see the development part. Offensive line-wise, I think it's going to be fine. You know, and that's the key to this Michigan team the last couple of years is, not fancy, right? Like, where's well, I say this, and apparently Roman Wilson's blowing up at the senior bowl. So maybe I was shortchanging their receivers, but it was blocking and tackling. I think uh Ross Dellinger, Ralph Russo uses this line with Ross a lot. Ross said, you know, they'll block and tackle you to death. And that's exactly what Michigan does. And I, as long as that continues, they'll be fine. But he's up against a tough schedule. He's up against the Ohio State monster we just talked about. He's up against possible NCAA punishment. That's still, I guess, in the in the purview. And coaching Michigan is just not easy. 
It's not. I mean, Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke found out just how hard that job is. Right. And so, yeah, I gave him a B plus, you know, for a lot of yeah. that, that you were saying. Uh, I've got concerns about uh, not only hiring the coordinators, putting his stamp on the program, but also dealing with the NCAA distractions and having a big target on your back and having a new quarterback and a lot of leadership has exited the building. So tough year one. Um, Michigan fans will see how patient they are. Uh, if Michigan goes eight and four this year uh, under more, I think he's built up a lot of credential uh, credential is in the um, Michigan family for everything he did for beating Ohio state. If it's eight and four and you beat Ohio State, that's a good eight and four, right? <laughs> yeah, and they they the players love him. That's always a good start. I mean, they call him Papa Moore and those kind of things. And you know, it is. I, I liked everything he did. Now, some people, you know, Brandon Schlegger, one of our editors over at SN, still can't get over the crying bit after the Penn State game. But I'm like. <laughs> We got people with long-term memories here. I'm like, I didn't even, I forgot that happened. (laughs) I was like that, that I remember it happening, but I forgot. But no, I think Sharon, the players seem to love him. He, uh, he seems very relatable and real too. I know that gets overused, but I I go back to, there was a, a press conference with him after the Ohio State game. That's when it was. And he was, you know, you could tell how happy he was, but he was, they were asking these, these questions. He was unflappable. And then out of nowhere, he brings up, is no, I don't have sleepless light nights unless you know one of my daughters comes in the bed and kicks me. So I was like, I've been there, and I mean, just having that part of the, his personality, I think he's very real. The players love him, and you know, everybody. We talked about this, Bill. Everybody's looking for like the next Ted Lasso coach, right? And I, I just I think that's a preposterous thing because it's a not a real like you don't understand that this is real life that we're doing. Um, <laughs> but some of the values from that show always turn up. And I think the days of Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and those kind of coaches, that that personality factors changed in, in what people are looking for out of a head coach. And I think Sharon Moore checks a lot of boxes. All right. So I have gone through that exercise of, of giving a report card for the new hires for the last three years. And I, like I said, it gave Sharon Moore a B plus. I wanted to revisit the grades from the first year I did this. So this is only two years ago. The coaching cycle from two years ago, there were 14 Power 5 uh, hires in 2021. Two of the 14 have already done such a good job that they got bigger jobs already. Uh, But I wanted to revisit, see what you think of these guys, and and should we regrade them? Uh, And we'll go alphabetically. We'll start with one of those two guys that uh, has already been promoted, Duke's Mike Elko. Uh, he went 16 and nine in his first two years, two bowl games, obviously. And now he is hired at Texas A&M. I think my original grade was a B plus. I think uh, he did a little better than that. Yeah. I mean, it was a home run hire. It was uh, getting them the underdog factor with them. They they won as underdogs that Clemson win was a signature win. One of the signature wins of the season and obviously, anytime you get a promotion, now we'll see. I think there's a little more reservations around the Manny Diaz hire following him, but absolutely, he did a great job yeah. in those last two seasons. So, Florida's Billy Napier was next on the list in that in that cycle from two years ago. He's gone 11 and 14. Uh, he only went to he went to one bowl, uh, five and seven this year. He's going to be leading a lot of hot seats. 
I gave him an A minus. I thought he really, you know, he was terrific at Louisiana. He was 40 and 12, uh, 10 and 1 and 12 and 1 in his last two years. He's got the Saban lineage, uh, you know, worked on the same staff as Kiffin and Kirby Smart, Cristobal, Mel Tucker. Uh, but it has not translated to Florida so far. No, and they need to find, you know, the quarterback plays there. Again, this is what Sharon and on some level, Ryan Day's finding out that it's hard to coach at programs like that. And I I would be the first. I remember I write a lot of columns when these coaches are hired. I think I wrote this was a home run hire because of those that background that he had. And it's just it's not translating maybe as well as it should at Florida caution here if they have a rough season they may press reset again because they like doing that but you could say that florida state wanted to do the same thing with mike norvell and he just signed a ridiculous extension so i think this next year is going to be pretty big uh next on the list lsu hired notre dame's brian kelly uh, i gave that a b which was lower than most people uh so kelly has gone 20 and 7 uh, with an SEC championship game appearance in his first year and a Heisman Trophy winner in his second year. But seven losses at LSU, I think the letter grade B kind of holds. I'd go a little higher. I mean, to, a higher. They, they, were wreckage. they were in wreckage at the end of the Edo era. So, I mean, for them to immediately go to an SEC championship game, and they've been – Maybe the Alabama game this year goes a little different if Jaden Daniels doesn't get hurt. He does need to rebuild the defense. I would say you know, they're, they're a competitor, and they're going to be in the mix for a 12-team playoff berth next year. So I'd go a little higher than that, but I, I think he's done. I'm not a Brian Kelly critic. I actually think he just wins football games. People just don't like his personality. Yeah, he finished. They, LSU finished 12th and 16th in the final AP poll. Yeah, they're fine. But for LSU, it's – about standard operating procedure, I would say. Um, Mario Cristobal at Miami. My original grade was an A minus. He has not been an A minus at Miami. Two years, 12 and 13, one bowl game, that horrendous loss to Georgia Tech that will never come off his resume. And he only has a seven and seven record at home. Yeah, and it, I mean that Georgia Tech game is really going to stick with them. That's all I remember. I mean, and they, they, you know, Cam Ward could change things next year. It took time at Oregon for him, and then he had a team that could go into Ohio Stadium and win when he was with Oregon. So, I, I would say TBD. TBD. I, it's not been great so far, but I'm going to be honest, Bill. With a lot of these guys, it's year three is when I you need to start seeing it. It used to be give them five years. I think it's give them three now. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, these guys are all entering their third years, or some of them. We uh, right. not Elko, and then not, of course, Kalen DeBoer. But we'll get to him. Notre Dame's Marcus Freeman. I gave it an A minus at the time, and interestingly, he is nineteen and seven. Kelly is twenty and seven at LSU. A lot of Notre Dame fans keep an eye, a close eye on uh, on Freeman and Kelly. Uh, Freeman is nineteen and seven. Kelly is twenty and seven. And the two AP finishes, uh, Notre Dame has finished two spots behind LSU both seasons. 14th in Freeman's first year, 18th, or 18th actually in, in uh, no, 14th in Freeman's first year, 18th this year. Uh, two bowl games, uh, hard to say. I don't know about an A-minus, but yeah, I would say probably an A-minus so far. 
about the same as Brian Kelly. Yeah. I mean, honest to me, like they're right. It's the same because they, they've had good moments. Um, You know, they're one yard away from Ohio state. I think the only bad loss he had this year was Louisville. And that was at the end of this string where they scheduled these four primetime games. It's still a loss though. You still got to be ready to go on the road. Um, Clemson was disappointing performance too. I don't know. Yeah, no shame losing at Clemson Center, but the way they played was very disappointing. Yeah, they're not there yet, but I think the the infrastructure is there. I think he's got the players' coach kind of label, which is disingenuous in some ways because he's more than that. Um, And Notre Dame's a high pressure job. This is uh, we could be. This is a good. Sharon Moore test case, right? Because Sharon Moore's the young guy like Marcus Freeman is. And, uh, you know, as an African-American coach at Notre Dame, it was historic, like when it was when Tyrone Willingham. And with that comes a lot of pressure. And I think he's done a great job. That's what I'll say. I just, they're competitive and they'll be in the 12-team playoff next year. You look at their schedule, they're at least going to win 10 games. And it's huge. Agree. I looked at their schedule. I didn't realize it's not as challenging as, this past year's schedule. So uh, 10 wins in the regular season is a fair expectation for them. Oklahoma, they hired Clemson defensive corner Brent Venables two years ago. I gave that one a B plus. Venables, of course, had never been a head coach before. Venables' uh, report card so far at Oklahoma, he is uh, 16 and 10 with two bowl games. So 10 losses in two years is not something Oklahoma is used to. They were unranked his first year. They were 15th. This year, they had the big win over Texas, but I think he has not lived up to expectations so far entering year three. No, they've got work to do. I would go a little bit lower. It's The defense was disappointing. They've had some blowout losses. Um, you know, they, they went to the portal. They were more competitive this year, but, you know, the, the lasting images of them is, is blowout losses. And, and in the last bowl game, same thing. I mean, they could have made a statement and beat Arizona. I think with Jackson Arnold, they're going to have plenty of offense next year, but a lot to prove in the SEC. So I'd, I'd probably go just a touch lower. I uh, Next was Oregon's Dan Lanning. I went too low on him. I gave him a B. Right. I think he's done more than that. So in his two years, 22-5, and five, uh, averaging 11 wins a year at Oregon. First season, they finished the 15th in the nation. This year, they finished number six. And I think they're going to be preseason top five next year. He's been an A. Yeah, I agree. Um, he still needs kick field goal against Washington. He's, <laughs> he's a college football, like we wrote about this week's sporting news. He's college football's Dan Campbell in a lot of ways. Very aggressive, very you know, likable. In the it's the first conference. name. That's the first yeah. name. Still need, well, Dan Lanning and Dan Campbell. I don't <laughs> care. I had this argument with uh, some of the younger reporter that, Andrew Gillis with Cleveland.com yesterday. All these young, like 20-somethings. They, I said, I know you guys are going to disagree, but you kick the field. No, I think it's the problem. No, kick the field. I just kept saying, kick the field goal. You guys are in your <laughs> 20s. Don't care. Kick the damn field goal. Tie the game. Do You know, and that kind of thing. So, but that, that I really think that's a generational thing. But Dan Lanning, yeah, A, great job with the program. Has them in position to be a national championship contender sooner rather than later. Agree. Next on the list, Sonny Dykes was the, uh, in that class two years ago. Uh, came over from SMU to TCU, and he's had a funny resume. Two very different years. He uh, nineteen and eight, uh, no eighteen and nine. Uh, of course, he went thirteen and two. Went to the national championship game, 
this year, five and seven. Uh, so I guess my grade of a B is pr- pretty much right. He had an A, one A year and one C year. I'd, I'd still say it's an A because he took TCU to a national championship game and that buys you three bad years. <laughs> I, I mean, like, honestly, that's good point. That, I mean, but you're right in terms of the not capitalizing on the momentum, being in a conference where they're going to have to be better on a, you know, you got to show it every year. But you know, Sonny's an A plus guy, a sporting news coach of the year, had a chance to be around him a little bit at that championship game. Just a, he's a dude. He's, he's one, like, he passes the, would I go down the street and have a beer with him and have fun? And that there would be more than one beer. I have a feeling if you went down the street with him, it's a, a really good time and he's a good guy. Without a doubt. All right. Texas tech. They hired Joey McGuire from Baylor. He had a successful Texas high school track record, uh, gave him a B his first two years at Texas tech. I don't know. I think pretty solid 15 and 11, two bowl games in two years, which interestingly, First Texas Tech coach since Mike Leach to coach in back-to-back bowl games. How about yeah, that? I think he's done fine. You know, he he he's done a good job. I think. Yeah. Again, another guy. Now that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, there's an opportunity there for Texas Tech to continue to build on that. I don't know why they don't lean into Patrick Mahomes more. I mean, I would try to have him on campus every week or name the stadium after him or something. So, because <laughs> um, there's unique challenges at coaching at that program, and I think from a recruiting perspective when you're in a state with 12 FBS programs, but I I think he's done a nice job there. He has, uh, Lincoln Riley, USC. That was like the shocker of shockers when they stole him away from Oklahoma. I believe it was the first Oklahoma coach to take a different job within, even within college. Uh, when Lincoln Riley left Norman for Los Angeles, he took Caleb Williams with him. Of course, He's only 19 and eight. I think that's lower than USC people expected. He finished number 12 in his first season and unranked in his second season. So uh, I would say I should have given him a B minus, but I gave him an A when he was hired. Well, yeah, 20. So you look at USC in the four seasons before that, you're looking at 21 losses. 22, 22 and 21. So they're better. Um, they are better. Did, True. They're, they're going to the Big Ten. But what was hyped when he came versus what's happened? And they do have a Heisman winning quarterback. I think this year was an unmitigated disaster. I picked them to make the college football playoff. And that'll go down as one of my worst picks. So, and I've had some bad ones over the years, but that one. <laughs> You know, I did, you know, I had Georgia and Michigan, and I still think they were the two best teams in Ohio State, and they were right there. But USC was a bad pick. And a lot of the things that went off on off the field with, you know, you had weird access issues with reporters. He banned a reporter, and just when that, whenever that happens, it, it, it shows a, a little bit of a paranoia factor around the program. And and that's, I mean, you're coming to the big 10 where these losses will be very, they'll be more visible. It's more visible to lose to Ohio state and Michigan and Penn state than it is some of those Pac-12 schools they were playing against. Um, Notre Dame game was a disaster for them. So yeah, I'd probably go a little lower based on what was promised with the understanding that USC is in a better place the last two seasons. True, they are. And the, the banning of the reporter led to my favorite, might have been my favorite quote 
of the college football season. Somebody asked Chip Kelly over at UCLA what they thought of USC banning a reporter for two weeks. And his response was, we can do that? We can do that, yeah. (laughs) He was was having fun with it. He did a good job with that. uh, (laughs) Great. Yep. Uh, all right, Virginia. They had they had hired uh, Tony Elliott two years ago, uh, and they have not taken off. He is six and sixteen in his two years. Obviously, no bowl games, and had to deal with the death of those three players at the end of his first year in Charlottesville. That wasn't fun. Um, you know, I think was my original grade for Elliott was uh, was a B. Another Clemson assistant like Venables, uh, and. Uh, but yeah, he is—he's uh, got some work to do. I think he'll be on some hot seat lists uh, this summer. Yeah, and you know it was a rough year. The quarterback—they haven't hit on quarterback. Uh, losing Brendan Armstrong didn't help. Watching him go have success at NC State didn't help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tony's got some work to do. Awesome offensive coordinator, Clemson, good dude. But it, it's hard when you take that step out. And like you said, that tragedy that happened. You can't plan for that. It was awful. And right, and he got he got yeah. positive reviews from everybody on how he handled that. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, maybe that buys him some time and some goodwill and things like that. But um, you're exactly right. There's no playbook for that. That was brutal, uh, and he handled it as best as he could, especially being a rookie coach. Like, that's tough. Uh, Virginia's sister school, Virginia Tech, also was in the market. They hired Brent Pry. Uh, they had been having – just trying to find the right guy, right? And they haven't been able to do it. Uh, 10 and 14 for Brent Price so far. They've been to one bowl game. And uh, that program has not taken off like they had hoped. Um, not, You know, but there's some momentum there. I know Paul Meyerberg at USA Today had him, them in this top 25. They, they ran the football well at times. I think at Virginia Tech, it's always a culture – the Beamer shadow still hangs over the program. I mean, yeah. Hung over uh, Fuente a little bit. And I think Pry's doing a good job of, I was just talking about that with Sharon Moore, of putting his signature on it. And maybe it takes a little bit of time and he's still writing, but I think there's some good momentum around that program because he knows what he has. Next is uh, our last two, Washington and Washington State. We've got Kalen DeBoer. Uh, who I gave a B plus Fred from Fresno State. I was I'd never really heard of him. I wasn't sure, you know. I, I was not going to give him a girl. I bumped him up to a B plus because I when I started to dive into his resume, uh, and I should have gone a little higher. He obviously was amazing. Twenty five and three in two years at Washington. Went to the national championship game. Obviously got hired at Alabama. We all know what you think of him. Definitely an A. Washington State went with Jake Dykert. All right, now. He was uh, an interim coach. He was promoted. I gave him a C plus. I was not convinced he was going to be the guy. There's all kinds of challenges at Washington <laughs> State. He did probably better than a C plus. But when you look at it, tw- he went 12 and 13. They went to one bowl game, and they had a potential NFL quarterback for two years. So I don't know how you grade him. Yeah, I, it, you know they they. Had winning seasons though, and Cam Moore did a nice job. So I, I'd go a little bit higher on him. I know we did a feature on Cam Moore a couple years ago, so I like him. Uh, Kalen obviously home run, right? So <laughs> I have this, you know, well, but he's gone. That's the un- unfortunate part. Is like he was so good, he's in Tuscaloosa now. Um, so that's tough to grade, but definitely 
the both of those guys have done a good job, and I think they did. Was, like, yeah, I'm busting on Dykert a little bit, but like the Pac-12 was just so good and so loaded right. that 12 and 13 isn't bad, and especially all the BS they had to go through the right before this season started, trying to keep the guys motivated, trying to keep everything together when they basically were homeless and everyone in the Pac-12 abandoned them. Uh, yeah, 12 and 13 is is not bad. No, he's fine. And and what he inherited through Mike Leach leaving slash COVID slash Rolovich, I think he's done a nice job. Um, and, and then Kalen, again, you know, when you have a program that does what Washington did, and that's the kind of the theme. I, I don't think when you wrote this a couple years ago, I, if you would have told me when you wrote this, all right, Billy, um, two of these coaches are going to play in a national championship game. I don't think my first two guesses would have been Sonny Dykes and Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> no, not not with not with Brian Kelly's on Brad, the list, Freeman Riley's on the list. Yeah, Freeman. So that's I guess the <laughs> the the part when I when I hammer on you and probably annoy you on some level that that college football is the same old teams. I mean, you could probably just throw that right back in my face, and I think you should from now on because that is really amazing when you think about it. That okay. Yeah, Sonny Dykes is going to take TCU to the title game. Okay, Bill, sure. Um, Kalen DeBoer is going to take Washington, then take Nick Saban's shop. All right, yeah, good good story there. And it actually happened. So, yeah, maybe college football has more surprises than we think. Why didn't I write that two years ago? That, that yeah, was you should have called your shot, man. That's on you. <laughs> so, all right, well, before we get out of here, let's get back to the trivia question. The only team ranked in the preseason – this is like a shout-out to the AP – Voters. Yeah, I mean, it, usually uh, there's probably three or four teams, uh, but and it speaks to this year when we kept saying, "Yeah, there's not really many upsets. There's not really many upsets," and uh, it was true. There uh, were, like I said, there's only one preseason top twenty-five team that ended the season with a losing record. Can you name that team? I think uh, because I know we had them ranked. I just don't know if the AP did, and I think A and M had a re- bad record. Were Incorrect. They, five, they were five and seven. They were not ranked in the preseason top 25, I don't think. Oh, well, maybe double check that. Who? So who is it? I don't know. I, you got me then. Uh, I mean, I don't. We've mentioned him several times on the podcast. TCU? <laughs> they were five. They didn't go to a bowl game. That makes sense. They went five and seven. They were number 17. A&M was five and seven too. They were ranked in our pool. But so TCU, I get half credit. Because I would have got, I would have got there pretty point. quick. Because yeah. I just, I just didn't even think about them. But then, what were they were ranked? What in the preseason? Seventeen. Before? I mean, they were ranked against yeah. Colorado, the Big O. Oh, Colorado that's right. The they ranked lost team. Right the go. There you go. So, uh, there you go. They were, you know, where where to rank TCU was an off season, you know, question. That. Like they they lost a bunch of guys, but we'll see. They just won the national championship game, so. Anyway, all right. So that was fun. Well, anyway, good show. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening to the CFB Nation Call, uh, All-America podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.